Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 145. We talk about HubSpot sequences versus workflows, take on me by AHA, and how to save time with HubSpot emails using from name personalization and signatures. You're listening to APAC's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features for growing your marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, so good. It's so close to the end of the year, winding down now. The end is in sight. I stretch. know. We're on the home stretch for 2018. Gee, it's been a good year, hasn't it? It's been a cracker of a year. You know, in shot one, we're going to talk about some things of the year. Well, why don't you take it away, Craig? Well, look, I was I was reading Quartz, uh, which I quite like as a yes. you know, occasional site. Good news stories, but they were talking about, remember, Take On Me by AHA, yes. that Norwegian band from the 80s, I think. So That's right. That song, a lot of listeners would recognise it. And if they don't buy the name, then just play the link in the show notes for the And you will surely remember it. And you'll not only remember the song, you'll remember the film clip because it was just amazing. Anyway, 30 years later, that song is still doing really well. And it turns it's turned up in like about five or six different movies this year. That band, AHA, you know they've had 10 studio albums? They keep going. They, then they have a breakup tour and then they have a reunion tour. They're worse than John Farnham, really. <laughs> but anyway, do you know they're one of the 40 or top 50 highest grossing bands ever? Amazing. Wow. Yeah, and that one song kicked it off. So here's why did we mention this in the show, besides the fact that it's just awesome. Yes. <laughs> it's just this idea of like you get content done right and because it was a mix of great song, music, sound, audio, yes. with a great film clip at the time and just a whole... I guess the story in the in the film clip as well. I was watching it again today. It brought back so many mer- memories. It's so good. It endures. Quality endures. So in this world of growth hacking, you know, quick and hustling. fix and hustling, hustle harder, Ian. <laughs> yeah, quality endures. It does. It's a great example, Craig. Which leads us onto a HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And we're talking about HubSpot lead flows that are now called pop-up forms. Look, the only thing to say about this is they've changed the name, nothing else, and I think it's a good decision. That's right, because no one actually understood what lead flows were, and pop-up forms is definitely more in line with what it is. That's right. Now, I've got a screenshot in the show notes. I'll just quickly mention this, because I know they've been planning for it. So I was like, I wonder if they'll update all their old blog posts and content and stuff like that. So I went through and I did a Google search for um, HubSpot lead flows and then I went through all of the links on the, on the first page and, yeah, they've updated most of them. The only ones they haven't are product announcements where it actually specifically oh. say, you know, launching lead flows yes. or et cetera. I thought, fair enough, keep those. But everything else on the site, pop-up forms. So I've taken a screenshot because Google hasn't updated yet, although the HubSpot site has. So I'm yeah. just interested, like, I would have thought, Google would have been crawling the HubSpot site pretty regularly. So it'd be interesting to see how long it takes for the index, the Google index to update. All right. Another tip, Craig, to do with HubSpot emails using personalization signatures. Well, this is a great tip. You reminded me of this. I'm sure we've covered this on the show a couple of times before. But yeah, remind us about uh, email personalization. So why I want to talk about this is because I've gone through a few of our portals that customers use and I've seen this exactly the same email cloned over multiple times sent by different people. And I thought to myself, hang on, let me look at those emails. 
They're almost identical. The only thing it says is the from email and the from name was different and the signature was different. I thought, hang on, there's a better way to do this. Anyway, that's why I'm highlighting this is you can actually send one email and basically populate the contact owner and their email and their signature into the email with very little work and then send this one email out which goes across to all the people in that database. So works well. We do this for a lot of people who are in sales who want to communicate with their contacts and we send a company email that looks personalized from the salesperson. So it works really well. And if anybody responds to the email, it goes back to that salesperson. So it's such a really great way of engaging with customers using this method. So that's why I want to highlight it. I think that's a really good idea. I'll give you another example, actually, chatting with a client today. So they haven't yet got to the sales stage, say, with contacts. Let's say they've just come in. They're still in marketing, kind of getting nurtured. And they're like, well, I'm really the person for the US and uh, that other person's for Australia. Yep. How would we do that? Like, should we send it all from me or from uh, our person in the US? And I was like, well, actually, you don't need to. why don't we just set contact owners? You can have the one email and you can decide when they come in whether who the contact owner yes. is and then the email I'll get. So that's a great example where you can use this from the marketing side and the one you've mentioned is, yeah, when they're actually um, moving along to a sales rep, it can be from the sales rep side. So great tip. However... Here's the gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is a gotcha because this email signature, right, needs to be actually set up in the CRM part. So HubSpot CRM. And it's in the profile preferences. You need to set up the signature. Now, with most things that you do in marketing, what happens is if it's filling out a personalization token, there's usually a default that you can set, right? So if it's not Say that person doesn't have a contact owner, you say this is what we're going to put as the default. Well, in signatures, there is nothing like that, right? So if you send an email from, say, the example is I send it from somebody who is new in sales who actually didn't set up their signature, the email will go out and there will be no signature in the email. That's why it's the gotcha. And why another reason why it's a gotcha is because someone else can't set up the signature for the particular user. The user has to log in as themselves, go to profile preferences and set up the signature. Whereas a lot of other things across marketing, for example, can be set up by the person who's in charge or look after it. So that's why I wanted to highlight this. Yeah, I think that's a really good example. So basically what you're saying, marketing can set up everything except the signatures on those contact owners. That's got to be done personally and individually by each Correct. person. Yeah. And so not only that, but same with the names. If somebody actually gets given access to HubSpot and they actually never fill out their first and last name, when reports get created or things go out, it actually won't put their name in. It'll actually send it from that email address. So if it's Craig at Zen and you never bother to set up your first and last name, it'll go with Craig at Zen.com.au. <laughs> All right, on to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. And this is something we've spoken about for a long time. It's about solving for the problem. And a reminder to people to prioritize your marketing problems. So let's have a little review, Craig. Let's prioritize from our customer journey. So are we doing that by the awareness, consideration, and decision stages? And thus, are we actually looking at the top of the funnel Middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. Yeah, well, or should we say flywheel? <laughs> oh, let's leave aside the flywheel or the chocolate wheel for a while. Here's what often happens. People are like, end of year, okay, we're starting the new year. Well, what are we going to do in the new year? 
chatting with a client um, today. Oh, we're going to hire just an intern to look after social for you know a couple of hours a week. We really want to bump up our social. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good. Um, so, what's the problem that's solving? Why is this? You know, why is this in the focus? Oh, we just feel we should be better on social. And look, they might. I'm not saying they're wrong, but the question is, well, actually, what's the problem you're trying to solve? And for a lot of clients, social is not the problem. Traffic is not the problem. In fact, converting into leads might not be the problem. What we're finding is the problem is actually nurturing them, especially if you've got, uh, say, a sales life cycle, you know, six months, 12 months. It's like, actually, have you got a good nurture piece getting them through consideration and all of that kind of stuff? Now, social could be part of helping that, you know, but maybe it's more email or internal content planning focus. So this is a good time to be reminding uh, listeners that as you're planning and going into 2019, solve for the problem. So, yeah, find out where's your biggest problem and um, prioritize that. All right. On to our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And this is about sequences versus workflows. Workflows. All right. So why we want to highlight this is we often get questions or people think, oh, I want to use a sequence. I should use a workflow. And some people think they're almost one one of the same, but they're not. So we just want to highlight what the differences are and when you should and shouldn't be using them. So let's start with marketing automation, right? So this most people will be aware of HubSpot workflows available in the marketing professional and up suite. Um, and this is an email nurture that's one to many. And when we talk about sales automation, we talk about uh, HubSpot sequences. And these are, these are basically follow-up emails and they're one to one. So somebody has to trigger that off to make it happen and it goes to one single person. And for this, you actually need to have sales starter as a minimum. That's the differences. Now, do you want to highlight something else, Craig? Well, look, I just want to give a bit of context around this because I've heard people say, oh, we're not going to use workflows. We're going to use sequences. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, so what's driving that decision? Like, what? what oh, we, 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 you know, HubSpot said sequences are really good and we should be using those. Well, I'm like, oh, okay. So here's how they fit in. In your job, if you can automate anything, you should automate it. So if you're doing marketing pieces and you want to automate some of that, workflows are a great way to automate that. And if you're doing the sales piece, then sequences are a great way to automate that. So should you be using sequences? Yes. Should you be using workflows? Yes. Should be using both. It's not one or the other. Correct. And for some reason, they seem to be getting pitched against each other. Oh, no, we don't need workflows. Yes. We'll just use a sequence. And so what I wanted to highlight is, well, and you've done that well, you know, compare the two. Marketing's more one-to-many. Sales is one-to-one. But what's important is you use them both, but marketing should at some point hand over to sales, and they, of course, should use automation from there on. And so right at the start of a nurture, someone just signs up for an initial awareness piece of content. A nurture via workflows is very appropriate for that. Putting them onto a sequence, probably not appropriate. Could be, depends on the industry, but probably not. You're probably going to need workflows and um, marketing nurturing initially. But then at some point, whether it's by behavior or, or lead scoring, oh, they've got, you know, they're coming back to the site a number of times. Oh, time to hand over to a sales person and using sequences. So I think that's it. I don't see why they're getting pitched against each other. And in fact, mm. there seems to be this battle, a, a bit of a battle. And also, like, I oh, know sequences are winning out as if they're better or trying. Yes. Sometimes I think, so, did you just want to upsell them to sales starter? You know, like, what's, why was that being promoted? So I guess the really important thing here is obviously on the marketing side, it's certain criteria that kicks off a workflow, right? Which is, look, it's looking for, it's already been predefined. 
in sales automation or in the HubSpot sequences, it's a sequence of emails that gets sent out. So you have to actually enroll somebody in that sequence. So someone has to manually do that every single time and they only get opted out if that person responds. So it's not something that, uh, you know, I go on holiday and someone automatically gets enrolled in a sequence, right? To start it off. Obviously, once the sequence is starting, if after seven days you haven't responded to me, maybe my sequence says I want to send Craig another email. That's what's going to happen. But the initial enrollment is actually done by the person in their inbox. We should, we should add that to the table as well. Trigger, yeah. trigger criteria. I actually didn't realize it was that limited. I actually thought there were. So that's actually good for me to know. So Yeah. yeah. So that's why I think it's really important because people will get that mixed up. All right. What's our insight of the week, Craig? All right. Great article I read here on Marketing Week. And I'm going to call this the importance of strategy and design for marketers. Now, to briefly summarize this article, the writer or the author is talking about this trap that young marketers become what he calls specialisms. You know, ah, he's he's the email guy. Or she's the social, you know, person in charge of social. And um, instead, the, uh, the writer, he's saying actually, well, no, if I was a young marketer these days, I'd be wanting to find out who's looking after strategy and who's looking after design. I want to get involved in both of those because that's the future. The reason this was so resonating with me is because I've been really thinking about our agency. And it's a race to the bottom out there with agencies mm. just doing this, you know, standard implementation stuff. So we're really pushing into the strategy a lot more and also good design. Like it is user experience design. So trying to combine them, it's really hard to just outsource that. It's really hard to just automate it. So the push to that. So for marketers, and I know we have some younger marketers in our audience that listen to this kind of stuff. I think this is a good article to be considering from a career perspective. And if you're an agency owner, I think it's quite important you just realise this as well. So anyway, that's um, the inside of the week. And really, user experience, I think, should be more that marketers are focusing on. We kind of think, oh, that's the designers, the developers, mm, you know, user experience. Correct. You know, we're just about the message. Well, no, we're actually more than the message. We're more actually about the Excellent. consumption that's of right. it as well and how we like to consume things. All right, on to our podcast of the week, Craig. And this is by Jim Quick from Quick Brain. And there are actually two episodes, episode 88 and 87. And I really enjoyed these episodes because it was talking about eating for your brain. And there was a Dr. Lisa Mosconi, and she is a neuroscientist. And she looks at nutrition as well. And she, she was talking about what are the things that feeds your brain. And I really love this episode. I got my wife to listen to it. I'm going to get you to listen to it now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I would encourage you to actually listen to it. And there was an episode before that that was also really good. So listen to this first and then listen to the previous episode. So can I just check when you said feed your brain, are you actually talking about food? Like Correct, yeah. nutrition absolutely. to feed your brain, right? Yeah. Well, what's one takeaway? I can't, one takeaway. I can't wait. What, what should I eat? I want to boost. Water was the biggest thing, right? Ah, right, of course. Which people don't think about. But another really interesting thing that she said to is good to eat, that's brain food, is actually caviar. Caviar? Yes. <laughs> Yikes. Because of the composition of caviar so and the nutrition's in them. So think about that. <laughs> Just having a sip of this tasty beverage. Wow, feeling smarter already. <laughs> so there you go. Let's let's get smarter together. All right, now resource of the week, Craig. <laughs> grow, let's grow together. We get smarter together. I love it. Resource of the week. 
these are some Google insights, and this is 2018 in review. It's on the Think with Google site, and we would encourage you to have a look at it because it talks about some trends in review for this year. Mate, this is such a good piece of content as an example. Because, it's really well done, isn't it? Well, here's what I'm going to say. There's parts of this which is just complete fluff. Guff. And it's just guff, isn't it? It's like, we're reading them, what is this crap? How did this get published? And then there's other pieces like the one we've linked to around search intent marketing, funnel. marketing funnels, which is really worth um, reading and looking at where they talk about the number of touch points yes. people need to be touched with Correct. in order to get to purchase. And I was amazed at one of them. There was like 300 and something touch points. Traditional wisdom, right? They'll say, oh, you need seven touch points or 11 touches before you get Correct. on. There's like, this is in the hundreds and it's, it's got, it's a great interactive really well place. You can go it? and you can see the touch points across search and they do this and they say, and when you think that we're exposed to, I, I don't know what the latest stats are, but probably thousands of brand messages per day, it makes sense, right? Like each one of those could be counted as a touch and things like that. This is a great piece of content, really worth reading for marketers. It's kind of depressing in a way because you're like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to reach people? Yes. And not only that, everyone's path is unique. Yes. This whole <laughs> the, the, the funnel where it's, oh, yeah, a bit of awareness, a bit of consideration, decision, ding, you know, purchase, no. It's not. Yeah. It's so unique and so it has to be tailored. Yeah, and I'd encourage you. Like, they've actually broken this down into particular personas and they've actually shown that journey. I think it's really interesting. Obviously, they've got data to back this. So I'd encourage everyone to take some time, sit down and actually read it and digest it and actually see and really understand what is going on with people. And even I would say we're all just led up to a season of leading up to Christmas, right? the number of gifts we've had to buy or shop for, just think about your part to purchase with certain items and what did you do? It's really fascinating to listen and hear and think about how people make choice about the things they're going to buy. You know what? I, I didn't have this prepared in the show notes, but I was just thinking about how I purchased a lot of, because I buy a lot of books. Yes. And I was thinking about my purchase. All it takes these days is a recommendation on Twitter or someone says, oh, this is a great book. And if it's someone I respect, I, I go straight to Amazon, great, straight into the cart. And the reason I'm mentioning this, I'm talking uh, just on the fly as I think through this, but with all those touches, I actually realize there's f- so few touches I need for some purchases these days. Whereas before I would have, you know, yes, procrastinated about purchasing a book and I oh, will I get this, will I, oh, no, no. now it's so quick. And that's because Amazon's taken a lot of the friction out. Yes. I kind of feel like a lot of the touches aren't needed anymore because they were friction points. So touches have increased in terms of wanting to get to purchase, but actually once you want to purchase, there's, there's fewer. So I think that's an interesting reversal. All right, Craig, here's a great little tool. It's about removing backgrounds from images. And it's, um, if you go to the website, remove.bg, you can try this out. I was pretty amazed by that. This is removing incredible. Removing backgrounds in five seconds. It's so good. Yes. Upload any image and it'll take the background out. And we've got one in the screen. Uh, in the show notes of a screenshot of one we did. <laughs> it works really well. Yeah, that's right. You get to see our smiley faces. Oh, yeah. All right. The next piece we're going to talk about, there is a great piece there on how to set up Google Analytics goals. This is often lo- overlooked by people in the analytics accounts. So we'd encourage you to watch that and actually go and try and implement it. Put some numbers beside it. And there is Ben from Loves Data, who does a lot of Google training that we've we often go to. Yeah, have you been to some of his courses? Yes, I have. Oh, I love Ben. He's, he's very good. He's so good. So we're just pointing out to some of his training, so I'd encourage you to actually go and skill yourselves up. 
Craig, what's our quote of the week? Well, this came from our Think with Google. Future of marketing. Future of marketing. It used to be that celebrities became influencers. Now influencers are becoming celebrities. It's actually true. I know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I notice it as well. Everyone wants to be an influencer these days. Can I have your autograph, Craig? Well, how much? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got a few SEO checklists and a bit of holiday reading while you're away enjoying this Christmas holiday. And drink lots of water, apparently. That's right. And eat caviar. It's perfect time to do that. Well, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and probably be the final one of uh, 2018. I hope it's been a good year for you. Yes. And if it hasn't, the best is yet to come. So we'd love you to have a great break. We'll be having a holiday. We'll still be there. And we'll be back in 2019 with something bigger and better. Well, Craig, have a lovely holiday. Thanks, Ian. Catch you later. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.